Oh, good morning. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm blessed that you are here. <laughs> what a joy, hey? What a joy that we can gather together in the name of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and be aware of His lovely presence, abiding, indwelling presence in us. After all, that's what Christ afforded for us when He died on the cross, forgiving us, cleansing us of our sin, so that once again, we, God is going to rebuild us to become His holy dwelling place. And um, what a joy that we can gather together to do that, to celebrate His presence, to celebrate what He has done, what He is doing, and what He's going to do. This morning on our way here, it was a three-hour ride, and um, we were singing and we were worshiping the Lord. And um, um, No, I, I was, and my wife was sleeping well, she was driving at the beginning, and then, um, and then I was worshiping the Lord. And it's, it, it was such a sweet time. And yet, you know, coming here and singing with all you guys, Martin seeing you again, and being uh, in front of uh, James with that low voice really takes me very deep in my worship of the Lord. But there's very few things that's more exciting for me than to worship with the Lord, worship the Lord with His people. And so you are here today. And um, you are a blessing to the church, to the congregation. That's why we are commanded, reminded in Scripture, never to forget meeting with one another, gathering with one another. Because there is such a, there's something that, that happens, something very spiritual, something that encourages us very deeply. And it's, it's so good, um, again, to be aware of His abiding, indwelling presence. Today, I, uh, I'm with my wife, and um, last time I think I shared how uh, she broke her leg, and thank you guys for praying and remembering, and um, she still uh, won't come skiing with me, number one, because it's still summer, and uh, number two, uh, she's bearing our second child, so we are, uh, yeah, yeah, so 10 more, that was my original plan to have. Like 12, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. That's a joy. And yeah, we moved to Calgary about what, three, three months ago because we also, so we've been, even though we were here before, we were planting a church in Red Deer and in Calgary also. And uh, several months ago, we felt that the Lord wanted us to move closer to our team there. And so that's happening. And man, it's just, uh, it's such an adventure to follow the Lord, right? It's such an adventure to live every day and and know that he's the one leading us that we are indestructible until he calls us home and uh, he's going to provide for us absolutely everything that we need to follow him to serve him to love him it's all of him it's all for him and it's all through him that's our life now as as christians as children of god he is our everything you know i have so many stories to share with you and um, so many things to thank God for. But um, this morning, I want to share with you, if, if you're going to get lost in all the things that I'm, I might share, I want you to remember the main thing that I want to share. And the main thing is this. If we are to walk and live like Jesus, and we are expected to, right? We are empowered by God to do that. We are expected to pursue that life of walking and living just like Jesus, 
The Bible says in 1 John 2, 6, whoever claims to be in Him, in God, must live, must walk, must walk in the same manner in which Jesus walked. That's our privilege. As children of God, Jesus is not just our Savior who died for us, He is also our model, right? He, he is the truth about what God created us to be, what God created us for, and He showed us what that means. And now, having died for us and having redeemed us, we are now privileged to be in this journey of learning how to walk and live exactly like our Lord Jesus Christ. But if we are to walk and live just like Jesus, then we must learn how to pursue the Spirit-filled life. Did you get that? Don't forget that. That's, that's our compass this morning. If we are to, to learn how to walk and live like Jesus, then we must learn how to pursue the Spirit-filled life. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up, I was a little bit scared to talk about the Holy Spirit, right? Because I think in our day today, He's been misrepresented, for lack of a better term, right? We see all sorts of things. We, sort, we see all sorts of experiences or, 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 you know, in the name of being filled with the Holy Spirit, and sometimes we're, we're, we're afraid, you know, we're, we're afraid to, to talk. But the reality is, as a, he, he plays a central role in our lives. And to neglect Him and to, um, to fail to pursue living in Him, it's a very tragic thing. So how? The question is how. How are we going to pursue it? How are we going to pursue the Spirit-filled life? And I have three suggestions coming from the word this morning number one we have to know okay listen we have to know that god wants us to be filled with his spirit in ephesians chapter uh, 5 um, martin read the some verses in ephesians but as paul concluded this letter this is what he said in ephesians chapter 5 beginning verse 15 so be careful how you live we have to be careful, especially in our generation today. We have to be careful how we live. We, and that's why I like um, that fasting thing about on, on social media. Guys, like young people, listen to, listen to me. Do that fasting. In fact, you should do that fasting every month. Have a month-long fasting, like every other month or something. Right? Because, man, like, we are not built to consume this so much information. And, and, and the more we consume all this irrelevant information in our lives, we're just overwhelmed. And, and, and it messes up with our minds. So, so do that. That's part of being careful how we live. It doesn't mean that something is not a sin. We, we're just free to do that. We have to be careful. Don't live like fools, but, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Make the most of every opportunity. And don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. Brothers and sisters, when we were younger in the faith, we learned how to avoid and not to do the things that we're not supposed to be doing, right? That's a basic thing about the Christian life. We have to learn to stop doing the things that do not please God. Don't do it, right? But as we mature in the faith, we have to start learning how to do the things that God wants us to do right? Not just not doing what we're not supposed to be doing, but we start to learn to do the things that we're supposed to be doing. But 
But that the next step in our Christian faith, right? We want to do exactly and only the things that God wants us to do. This is the tricky part. Because there's so many things that we can be doing. But God wants us to live our lives so in tune with Him. So that every day, every morning, it's like a mission. Lord, what do you want me to do today? Right? You want to wake up every morning, you're absolutely certain you're exactly where God wants you to be. You're doing exactly what He wants you to do. You're talking to the people that He wants you to talk to. And you're saying the, the exact things. that, And this is going to happen as we practice walking in Him. So, understand what the Lord wants you to do. Of course, a huge part of that is being familiar with God's Word, having a daily intake of, of God's instructions, how He wants us to live. All right? Don't be drunk with wine. And this is what I want you guys to really know. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to zero in. If you have highlighters or pens, you underline that command. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a unique command. It's unlike most of the commands that we read in Scripture. A command. Technically, we, we call them um, uh, imperatives, right? The, it's a verb, and it's an imperative. So when we, when we read the word, and we look at what kind of verb this is, if it's an imperative, that, that means it's a command. It's something that God wants you to do, right? And so if there, there are commands, the verb's voice should be active, right? You're, when you're obeying something, it's an active kind of thing. It's not a passive kind of voice where the subject is the, the receiver of the action. If it's, a passive, if it's an active verb, the subject is the doer of the action. And God's commands are normally active verbs. That means God wants you to actively do this. And yet, this, this word is so interesting. The, the verb be filled. Again, it's, it's an active imperative word. It means I want you to be continually filled. But the interesting thing about this verb is, instead of being an active voice kind of verb, it's actually a middle or passive verb. And, and since it is a passive verb, that means, okay, it's a command, and yet you are the receiver of this action. You're not the one who is technically actively doing the action. So what this means, guys, okay, so you're not confused. What this means is you don't, like, feel yourself. It's not something that you do for yourself. It's something that God does for us. He fills us. And our role is to be in that position where He can fill us. Our role is to be receptive to Him. Our role is to be willing for God to fill us. And that's my first question for us this morning. Are, are you willing? Are you willing for God to really take over your life? Are you willing for, for God to, to, to be in control of every aspect in your life? Because I meet a lot of brothers and sisters Christians, and they have a lot of reservations. They're, they're, they're only going to follow God to a certain extent. 
when we are followers of God, we cannot do that. We cannot say, Lord, I'm only going to follow you until it hurts. I'm only going to follow you if, if you just allow me to stay put. Later, we're going to realize that sometimes the Lord doesn't work that way. Sometimes the Lord wants to take us out of our comfort zones and to actively obey Him and to be on mission with Him. But since it is commanded, we, we assume it is not an automatic reality in our lives, right? If it's something that happens to us automatically, being filled with the Spirit of God, then He would not have commanded it, right? And so in reality, the moment we confess our sins, the moment we receive the Lord in faith, the moment we embrace the gospel, we become children of God, the Holy Spirit inhabits us. And it's a permanent thing. He indwells us. He is living in us. And the Lord, in the process of sanctification, He is rebuilding us, reforming us, reshaping the way we think, and reshaping the way we live so that our bodies will become, again, His holy habitation, His temple, the temple of the Spirit of God. And yet, this command is, you know, it, it indicates that, okay, we are indwelt, but sometimes, sometimes we're not going to be walking in Him. Sometimes we're still going to be walking in the flesh, in our wisdom, using our strength, pursuing things because of our selfish interests. And so he reminds us, be filled. It's an active command. There's a passive voice. It's God who does it. So how do we let him? How do we let God fill us with his spirit? Let me give you four, quickly, briefly, four. Number one, ask. Ask. You remember when Jesus was illustrating the generosity of the Father? He's saying, you, even, you sinful fathers, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more, this is in Luke chapter 11, if you want to look it up. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Right? When Jesus is talking about the generosity of God the Father, He talks about how God the Father actually wants to give the Holy Spirit to us. Because that's the best thing. Man, like maybe two months ago, there was a friend of mine who was sharing his praises and thanksgiving. Pretty much like what we did earlier. He was sharing how the Lord was so good to him. Okay? And, um, and I'm, I'm just going to share with you. I'm not going to tell you who this is, but I'm going to share with you what happened because this is a very meaningful conversation I had. And to make the long story short, this guy, he was saying to me, Bro, the Lord just, just like that, he gave me around a, a huge sum of money. You know, he made something out of a sale and whatever. It was like 300,000 Canadian dollars. I'm like, wow, bro, that's, that's so good, right? Like, because he was praying for something and the Lord, you know, blessed him. And, and, and I was rejoicing with him that moment. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Deep inside my heart, I was having a second conversation with the Lord. I'm like, Lord, I'm your child too. <laughs> you know? I, I, for sure, you guys don't experience this, but I did, right? <laughs> I'm like, Lord, I'm serving you also. We gave you know, away everything. We left everything, and we're doing this. And you know, I, I could use some 
you know, some excess funds too. You know, and this was a time we were looking for a place in Calgary. And man, in Calgary, it's so expensive, right? It's so expensive. And so I was, I was praying. I was celebrating with my brother, right? And yet, in my heart, I was having this second conversation with the Lord. But you know what? The Lord reminded me two things. And let me share these two things to you. Number one, he said, he reminded me, son, all you, my children, you, you have different assignments, okay? I'm, I don't ask you to do everything the same. I don't ask you to do one thing, all of you. No, no, no. You have different assignments. And wherever I lead you, whatever I ask you to do, I'm going to provide absolutely everything you need for that. You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. So if you're here right now, can I encourage you guys? Don't worry. If you're anxious right now, remind yourself, God is great. God is good. God is glorious. And He is gracious. He is gracious. I was like, Lord, don't I deserve this? And you know the answer to that? You don't. You don't deserve any. What you deserve is death, okay? What you deserve is death. You don't deserve anything. That's how God reminded me through a brother, actually. That's, so that's the first thing that God said. The second thing that God reminded me, when I was praying that way, He reminded me of this. He said, son, you're my child. He's my child. What did I give you and what did I give him? What's the greatest thing that I gave you? Can you guys answer? What's the greatest thing that God has given you as his child? Himself. I heard it. Who said it? Himself. The greatest thing. You cannot think of a greater thing than God himself. Right? And so this is how I process this reminder, this information. James, suppose I'm, I, I'm your friend, right? Like, you're my friend, right? Suppose I'm an oligarch or something, and I give you, I decide to give you $10 billion, not even Canadian dollars, U.S. dollars, okay? <laughs> it's going to be lower value if it's Canadian. $10 billion. I'm pretty sure you're going to be happy, right? We're not even that close of a friend, but let's say, you know, $10 billion. I'm so rich, I'm going to give him $10 billion, okay? U.S., don't forget. And dog, you're also my friend, right? And then I decide to give you, just whimsically, yeah? I give you $10 billion and $1, U.S. also, okay? You're going to be grateful to me, yeah? James, are you going, are you going to resent me for giving another brother a dollar more? You're not. Because you see $10 billion, wow, that's, that's a lot. So an additional dollar is so insignificant. And <laughs> Sorry, guys, I'm emotional because this was a, a rebuke from the Lord to me. But also it was a sweet kind of rebuke, right? That's how the Lord rebukes us, his children. It's painful, it stings, but it's also sweet. But he reminded me, you're, you're looking at me so small. That's why you're, you're seeing this. You're seeing what, uh, what little I give your brother more. Do you have that attitude? 
do you fail to see how, how much God has given you? Don't think first of your family. Okay, that's a great blessing. Don't think of your job. Don't think of the freedom you have here in Canada. Think about the greatest thing, your greatest resource, your greatest gift, your lot, your portion, your inheritance. It's not this thing. It's God himself. And brothers and sisters, this is the reason why Jesus died for us. So that he can once again restore his spirit, his life on us. He died to cleanse us, not just to forgive you. He didn't just take away your sin. How, however glorious that is, right? We are absolutely sinless before God. Sinless. When God looks at you, you are whiter than snow. Do you know, do you know why you're whiter than snow? Because every single snowflake would have a speck of dust. And yet, when God looks at you, He doesn't see anything. Do you know why? It's not because of you. It's not because of anything you've done for Him. It's only because of Jesus Christ, whose holiness you now have, whose righteousness you now have. He removed our sin, but He also put Himself to us. We call that the double imputation. He did not just take your sin and put it upon himself on the cross. No, he put his holiness to you. And how did he do that? By actually dwelling in you. You are alive today, spiritually, because the author of life lives in you. The author of life. You're not going to just have eternal life in the future. See, a lot of people miss this joy of living the Christian life today because they're so focused. Oh, when I die, I'm going to have eternal life. No, no, this is not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us today we are spiritually dead without Him. And He makes us alive by giving us His very life. The person living in you right now is what makes you alive. You are alive, you have eternal life because eternal life himself lives in you. Do not fail to miss, do not miss that. Do not fail to, to realize that and to live in such a way that is congruent to that truth. The God of the universe who created everything, this awesome, mighty, great God that we sing about, he resides in each and every one of you. Right? And it, that's so great. That's reason to rejoice every morning. That's enough reason to vanish any anxiety. Any. And remember, if the enemy attacks you and your mind is doing tricks on you and you're getting discouraged in life, remember, God is great. He is glorious. He is gracious. And He is good. God is great, He is glorious, He is gracious, and He is good. And He is the God who wants to live in you, He live out His life through you. And that's what we see in Scripture. So ask, 
Sorry, this is one sub point of my first point, so there's a lot more I want to share. <laughs> but James prayed for God to give me the freedom to speak today, so prepare a little bit. We'll be over by 2 p.m. <laughs> I promise I will not <laughs> Sometimes the reason why God is not able to allow us to sense His presence is because our hearts are not willing to yield to His instructions too. That's the way, his word, right? The mighty, the sword of the spirit is the mighty word of God. He has given us his word. Can I ask you a question of accountability? How is your daily intake of the, the word of God? Do you read more and see more of what this person from another country is doing through social media, through Facebook or whatever, Right? Or is it the Word of God that shapes the way you think? Be willing to yield and obey. When you pray, when you read God's Word, say, Lord, here I am. Whatever you're going to say to me, I'm going to believe it. Even if it's hard to believe it. Even if it doesn't make sense. Even if it would mean it's hard for me. Right? I'm going to do it. Yeah. Even if you have doubt in your heart that he, well, if you're not going to do it, say it. Lord, I'm going to do it. Help me do it. Help me do it. I need your grace to be able to do that. Because that is the kind of heart that, that the Spirit freely works in. The willingness. And you have to cultivate a yearning for Him through prayer. Through prayer. This is ABC. Did you notice? Ask, be willing to yield, and cultivate a yearning for Him through prayer prayer. Letter D, depend on His enabling for anything, anything that you're doing, anything that, that you find yourself doing, say, Lord, I'm going to do this by you, by your enablement, by your power, by your grace. Because remember what Jesus said, apart from me, you can do very little. Is that what Jesus said? You can do something, but not a lot of things. Is that what Jesus said? No. Apart from me, you can do absolutely, utterly, completely nothing. Nothing. So it's only through His presence in our lives that we are able to, to do anything. And letter E, expect Him to take you out of your comfort zone. Expect Him. Sometimes we're only willing to follow the Lord if He's not going to take us somewhere uncomfortable. Well, brothers and sisters, when we follow the Lord, it's a life of adventure. Right? And he sometimes asks us to, to say something to our friends that would, that would mean, oh, our friends would look bad. You know, we would look bad to our friends or something. But never mind that. Just be bold. Be bold. Expect God to take you out of your comfort zone. So that's, that's point number one. Know that God wants you to be filled by His Spirit. This is the second one. It's more exciting. The second one is this. You have to understand that the Spirit's presence or His ministry in your life is absolutely essential to your life as a Christian. Okay? Without the Spirit of God, I mean, just think about it. Just think about how God originally designed you and me, humanity. Right? He cre Remember Genesis chapter 1? He created everything. And what was so unique about us, several things. Number one, He created you and me in His image, okay? Remember that. He, God created you and me in His image. 
And number two, He created us to execute His will. Right? He commanded, He said, he said okay, you exercise dominion, you rule the world. Right? Of course, that's under God's leadership. So not only are we to bear the image of God, we're also to execute His will on the world. But thirdly, and this is how we're going to do the first two, okay? The third one. Not number three, God created you to be precisely His dwelling place, His temple, the temple of His Spirit. The only way that we're going to be able to bear the image of God to let the world see what God is like, His nature, His character, His goodness, His everything, right? Is if God is doing it through us. His very Spirit empowering us to do it. And so in reality, God becomes the source of His own image. But that is also how we're going to do whatever God wants us to do. God in us, enabling us. That's how God created you and me. That's His design for you and me. And you would see this. For example, in Genesis chapter 2. Remember when God formed the dust, right? Finally, what He did was, and He breathed into His nostril the breath of life, and that lump of clay became a living soul. We don't understand it very much because in, in English, we have different words for breath, for spirit, for wind. In the Hebrew language, there's only one word for that, Right? And so what you, he, what you read in that passage is God breathed actually His Spirit. What proceeds from God, He breathes into he, the, that lump of clay, and that lump of clay became a human being. And so you see how God designed you and me. We are designed by God so that you're not just biologically alive like the rest of the animals. You are supposed to be alive in the Spirit, the other of life living in you. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground. This is Genesis 2.7. Breathed into his nostrils the bread of life, and the man became a living creature. And so you see, without the Spirit of God, what are we? We are dead. Yeah? We are dead. When God warned Adam, Adam, if you decide to rebel and do things your way, you're going to die. When? In the day that you eat of it, you're going to die. Did Adam and Eve die in the day that they ate of the fruit? A lot of people would say, oh no, they died 900 years after because they lived 900 years plus, right? But in reality, I think they died because God said, in the day that you eat of it, you're going to die. How did they die? The Spirit of God departed from them. And now God was still influencing them externally, but internally they were separated from God. That is why all of us, we were born spiritually dead, disconnected from our source of power, our source of life. Sin entered and rendered us disqualified from the holy life of God. And so from the very beginning, it has been God's plan to restore His Spirit to you and me. And how did He do that? By sending His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God who became flesh. He became human. But He was so different from us, wasn't He? He was so different from us. Why? Because when He was born, He, were not, he was not just biologically alive. He was spiritually alive. He was filled by the Spirit of God. He was empowered by the Spirit of God. And the things that He did, 
I wouldn't say he did that because he was the second person of the God. He, he was, he, he, he always was, he always is. And yet his own records would, would say, what, what did Jesus say? The son can do what? The son can do what? What did he say? When he, talking about himself, Jesus, he said, the son can do nothing by himself. You see? Jesus himself modeled for us a life fully dependent on the Spirit of God. And you read this also. When Peter preached about Jesus in Acts 2.22, Acts 10.38, we might not have time to read all those passages, but write that if you want to review. Jesus was described as a man who did all these things. Why? Because God was with him. The Spirit of God was doing it through him. And so this is, this is the third point. So number one, we understand, sorry, number one, we, know, we should know that God wants to fill us with His Spirit. Number two, we should understand that the Spirit's presence in our life is so essential. It's so essential. Without Him, we are dead, right? And we can do nothing. But the third one is this. If we are to pursue this life in the Spirit, being filled constantly in the Spirit of God, then we must let Jesus show us how to live in the Spirit. <laughs> you know, this is a revolutionary concept for me. When I was exploring, okay, it is a command. I need to be filled with the Spirit of God. But what does it look like? What does it look like to be filled constantly by the Spirit of God? And then, the answer is actually there. It's so easy, so simple. What it looks like, it looks like exactly like Jesus. Jesus is the perfect illustration of the Spirit-filled life. And so if we are pursuing life in Jesus, life like Jesus, life lived for Jesus and through Jesus, then we must see him as our ultimate model. We must learn from Jesus, who is our ultimate model of the Spirit-filled life. His life was ordered, orchestrated all the time, even before he was born, and throughout his life, all the way to death on the cross, his life was ordered and orchestrated by the Spirit of God. His works, they were exclusively empowered by the Spirit of God. He would, what Jesus would tell you, all the things that he done, he didn't, that's not him who did it. Because by himself, he can do nothing. But because he was the perfect human, he was God, but he was the perfect human who modeled for us how we also ought to live. What a wonderful Savior, right? He went through all that to show us, to show us how we also can live just like Him. And His core value was total, full dependence on the Holy Spirit. So are you listening? Because that's the second thing, right? We allow Jesus to be our model, but we also listen to Him, who is our perfect master teacher, he will tell us how to live in the Spirit. Especially when you read the verses in John chapter 14 where he instructs his disciples, okay, another one just like me, the exact same kind like me, he's going to be with you. You're going to be happy that I'm departing, but he's coming. Because he would also embody my presence, right? So let us allow Jesus and his teaching to mold the way we think about the Spirit. His instructions were... We're centered around the Spirit's role in our lives. 
when he was about to ascend, he instructed his disciples, guys, don't do, don't wait, okay? You wait for the Spirit to come upon you. Then, when you receive Him, in power you shall go. And they did that, precisely that. And third, we must learn how to lean on Jesus, who is Himself the very means to, to follow God, to live life that is pleasing to the Lord. So Jesus is our model, he's our master, but he's also the means through which we're going. You see, it's all of him. It's all by him. It's all for him, and it's all through him. You know what's going to happen when we live this way? Every morning, you're going, Lord, I'm vacating this throne. Come in, take over. The next day, you wake up again. Lord, I'm vacating this. You use this. This is your body. You have redeemed me. I am twice yours. He, you are twice Him. He has created you and He has redeemed you, right? And now He wants to inhabit you. And so you vacate it. You, vacate, you put out, the, in the words of the, of the Apostle Paul, you put out the flesh, the old man, the old guy. You vacate it and you let Him in. You vacate it you, and soon, sooner or later, you're going to realize the Christian life is a life of vacation. You're vacating. You're vacating. You're vacating. And He, he allows you to rest in Him. That's why he says, you come to me. You're tired, you're weary, you come to me. You, you lean on me. You depend on me. I'm going to do it. I'm, he's well able to do it. He's well able to do it. Because brothers and sisters, there is only one person I know who can live the Christian life. And it's not me, it's not you, it's Jesus. And the Christian life in reality is precisely that. The Christian life is the life of Jesus lived 2,000 years ago Live today by Him in you. Isn't that awesome? Jesus, it's all Him, guys. Nothing goes, no glory comes to you, right? If you do anything that, that actually pleases the Lord, it's actually the Spirit of the Lord doing it through you. And we're simply yielding to Him and enjoying His presence and having a time of our lives. And this is going to go on for eternity. Isn't that wonderful? We get to live in Him all throughout eternity. And sooner or later, He's going to free us from this mortal, corrupted body and replace it with a, a glorious one. But it's going to be the same life that's going to be in that body. His life. His life. So, what is the Lord telling you right now? How is He speaking to you? How is He teaching you to depend on Him? And I actually want us to spend a few seconds, a minute or two, just to prayerfully be still before Him. Because I can sense He is working. He's speaking. We have been talking about His Word. And He is here. He is here. He's talking to you. But you're not going to grow just by learning and understanding this. You're going to grow by actually stepping by faith in the things that God wants you to do. So what is it? Let's spend some time in prayer.
our Father, we celebrate this morning because of you. You are here. You're not just among us and with us, but you're actually dwelling in us. And these bodies that you have redeemed, we offer it to you. Our will, our hearts, our minds. And we want to learn, Lord, to live just like Jesus. Guided, empowered, filled by the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to submit to you all the time, to yield to you. Help us to love your words. And help us, Lord, to avoid things that do not promote our dependence on you, our consciousness of you. Instead, let us learn, Lord, how to live lives worthy of you so that we would please you in every way, that we might bear fruit in every good work. Father, what a joy that we can gather together around your word. What a joy that you are our lot and we get to be reminded of this. You're our inheritance. You are our portion. You are our great shepherd. And in you, we have absolutely everything that we need. Lord, forgive us for our discontentment. Forgive us when we grumble to you at times. Forgive us when we forget that we have you, the darling of the universe, the author of life, the creator, almighty God. You are with us living inside of us. Thank you, Lord. What an awesome thing that you have created us in your image, in your likeness, so that we can do your will, what you want to do, what, how you want to expand and increase your glory in this world. Lord, thank you that you have invited us into this noble task. But thank you, Lord, because you have not left us to do it by ourselves, but you yourself, you're going to be with us. So thank you, Lord, for redeeming us. Thank you for dying on the cross to cleanse us so that once again, we would be your holy habitation. We are reminded, Lord, of the Lord Jesus Christ. After he resurrected, the first thing he gave to his disciples, he breathed upon them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask that you fill us every day. We ask, Lord, that we would walk in cadence with you. We ask, Lord, that in every relationship, it would be for you, it would be through you. And everything that we do, we would do it for your honor, for your glory, for your fame. And until you come, Lord, we celebrate your presence through your eternal spirit. And we ask, Lord, that you help us discern, listen, be still in our hearts all the time so that we would always walk in you. We bless your holy name, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. We adore you. We worship you in spirit and in truth. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus, our Savior, our Master, our Model, and our Power. In his name, amen.